Smile You Love Us. Our, our teen movie podcast. Where we discuss the teen movie universe. Canon, what they mean to us, and their impact on pop culture as a whole as we have come to understand them. Yeah, today we're talking about three movies. 2005's Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Classic. I mean, maybe. 2007's Superbad. And 2019's Booksmart. Booksmart, which we both just saw. We both just saw. If you haven't seen it, spoilers. I would suggest not listening. Yeah, lots of spoilers ahead. Um, but you should see it, because it's, it, it's a really good time. It's also a great summer movie. It got me really hyped for the summer. Yeah, I agree. So, obviously, today's theme, if you can't tell from those movies, is best friends. Best friends. Best friends forever. Maybe. BFFs. BFFs. As we like to call them. Yeah. So, what, that's what we're focusing on. All of these films have a very strong friendship at the center of them. The plot is kind of secondary to the relationships that we're going to discuss. Totally. That's kind of why I love them. Yeah. I We're not going to do our normal format where we talk about the different plot points and kind of auxiliary characters in a sequential order. We're just going to give quick summaries on each of the films. Um, to be honest, we assume that most people who have, who listen to this podcast have seen Superbad and are, have either seen Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants or are like tangentially aware of the premise. Yes. If you haven't seen it at this point, presumably you won't. One pair of pants, four women. One summer. Shenanigans. Not really shenanigans. Okay. Maudlin soundtrack is yeah, what you called that's it. That's what I said. A lot of Amy Mann for all those man heads out there. Was it Amy Mann? Or it was some like similar Amy Mann Starbucks likes. soundtrack yeah. of two thousand one, whatever. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking about Sister Heard the Traveling. You got it. You go. So one really important note here in prepping for this podcast. Blythe and I were talking about Sisterhood of about both Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Super Bad, and Blythe said that she didn't have a particular affinity for either movie, which, to me, I have um, a very special place in my heart for both of the movies because they both came out while I was actually in high school, mm. which I think makes a huge difference. And I should clarify, I do have a very strong connection with Super Bad and the Judd Apatow universe. However. Pants, which is how we're going to shorthand Pants. SOTP. Um, I literally watched like in college because I was feeling nostalgic for the Gilmore Girls and oh, Gossip interesting. Girl, and I was like, let me get interesting. Yeah. It was like a deep cut in retrospect. Yeah, exactly, and okay. so I kind of wish it had come out in high school for me uh-huh. because I feel like it would have meant more to me then. But I watched it in college, and I was kind of like. Yeah, it, it was probably a good hangover movie in college. It, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, because there's not much plot. Yes. Um, my my one of my favorite hangover movies in college was Bounce, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Affleck. Really good hangover wow. movie. Wow. And there's actually um, oh one of the writers of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants wrote the movie Someone Like You. Yes. Another good hangover. Great movie. hangover movie. Okay, sorry, yeah. we're gonna. We're gonna brainstorm that off pod, our new pod, but like, let's talk about. Sorry, sorry. Our current team movie podcast. We're back on track. Okay, so pants, but this, pants, this pants, does pants, pants, play pants. In. So, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants was a is an, a book, a young adult book. This is our second young adult book, to my knowledge, that we've covered on the pod. The first being Twelve Boys Eleven Four. Correct. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants was written by Anne Brashers. 
2013, which means I was 13 when it came out. Did you read the book? Yeah. And oh, all of the okay. sequels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we are dealing Loved with it. an expert. Yeah, I mean, yes. And I do remember when, I do remember anticipating the movie being made, anticipating the casting. They cast... Yeah, no. Whoa, okay. I, I, I was like very, I mean, I was 13 years old. Right. And yes, I love movies. Yes, yes. I still love movies. Amber Tamblin, I was familiar with from Joan of Arcadia. I don't know if you ever watched I Joan of Arcadia. I did watch Joan of Arcadia. Yeah. So I was like, she was, in my mind, she was the biggest star of the bunch. Oh, that's so interesting. Because when I watched it, I was like, wow. Like America Ferrera. Yeah. It's a bomb cast, honestly. It is. So it's Amber Tamblin. That's her name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I just... Okay, Amber Tamlin. Who plays Tibby. Yeah, plays Tibby, who is like an artsy film school documentarian in training. Alexis Bledel plays Lena, who is... Basically Rory Re- Gilmore. She's basically like a shyer Rory Gilmore without any spunk at all. Yeah, which is hard to imagine. It's... A shyer, <laughs> less compelling Rory Gilmore, but that's who she is. Totally. And she goes to Greece to spend the summer with her parent, uh, her grandparents. And then you have, uh, in her first role ever, Blake Lively. Oh my gosh, she's so great. So great. A lot of blonde hair in so this. So hot. So hot. Um, and she plays Bridget, who goes to soccer camp in Mexico. And then there is America Ferreira, who plays Carmen, and on rewatch is really the reason that this movie is... At all interesting. Yeah. She's a standout. Yeah, and I think maybe that that her plot is probably what would have resonated with an older audience Mm -hmm. or a more mature audience. Her parents are divorced, and she goes to visit her dad, played by Bradley Whitford. He looked so young. Like, it killed me how young he looked. I'm such um, a big Bradley Whitford head. He so. he plays this just kind of nice but um like poor execution dad. He's getting remarried and you know it's kind of the, all these dynamics of this. Oh, you've replaced me with a family. Um, but at the heart of this movie, because these girls are being separated for the summer mm-hmm. and they're still in high school, um, they come across this pair of pants at a thrift store and. By happenstance, they fit all of them, and so the way that they create a connective tissue between them is to send the pants from one to another throughout the summer with a letter and, you know, to keep... It's really sweet. It's really sweet, and in the book, you know, um, the book definitely expands upon, like, the symbolism of these pants and and gives all the characters, like, a little bit more, um, you know, not backstory, but emotional rooting uh but it played fine as an adult and i think that it was great so the movie um is about two hours long which felt a little long it did feel long uh it was it was directed by this guy ken wapis he has a k at the beginning of his name but i feel like it's like a silent k Okay. I'm just going to go with that. (laughs) And he actually um, has done a lot of television, Mm. and he did many episodes of Freaks and Geeks. Oh, God. Which is a nice time. Talk about teen movies. Yeah. And then the screenplay was also written, was written by this woman, Elizabeth Chandler, who wrote that movie, Someone Like You. Sure. But then it was also, it was co-written with Delia Efron, who is sisters with Nora Efron. Oh, my gosh. And wrote the screenplay for You've Got Mail. 
Which Blythe and I watched wow. together a few weeks ago. New Got Mail is not just a hangover movie. It's a... It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It, it really is. It is... Uh, I could talk about that movie endlessly. Yeah, so the same writer. So, Amazing. Um, some of the girls have romances. Some of the girls have these family dynamics. Um, they all kind of challenge their assumptions about themselves and come back together at the end, you know, knowing that they're friendship is wonderful but that their lives as the way that most high school friendship friendships go like their lives are going to go in these different directions and different things will happen to each of them that they can't you know they can't all experience these things together it was really sweet on rewatch um there was a sequel I was going to ask if you had seen the sequel because I I have seen the sequel it's it's good they're making a third one with the same... Yeah, so the, the oh, three women... Oh, this intrigues me, because the whole time watching this, I was like, are these women going to remain friends through their 20s? So, in I, I haven't read... I remember reading... I think there were four books in total, four or five books in total, and I definitely read the first two or three, but I didn't finish the okay. series. She was pretty slow in like publishing this. Like she pulled a George R. R. Martin. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Let's just totally equate that trilogy with... Yeah, sure. Totally. Um, but the actresses are exceptionally good friends. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. So oh, I love that. They're really good friends. <gasps> oh, and that's amazing. They'll po- they, like, see each other kind of a lot, and they'll all, like, really show up for each other. And so now, I mean, Blake Lively has a, a movie career, but she's... Definitely more of, like, a celebrity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, Alexis Bledel seemingly took a sabbatical and now is killing it on Handmaiden's Tale with Bradley Whitford. Mm-hmm. And then Amber Tamlin now is a novelist and very politically active, as is America Ferreira. Mm-hmm. And America Ferreira um, has also had many successful sitcoms, Ugly Betty, and now she's on this show... Uh, Superstore, which I don't watch, but it's in its like fifth or sixth season. Very popular. Very popular. And a lot of them are pretty private with their personal lives, like America Ferreira is. Amber Tamlin's pretty private, even though she's married to David Cross. And then Alexis Bledel is the most private of them all. She has like a five year old and no one knew it. Yeah, and she's married to Pete from from Mad Men. Men. Yeah, but they all are like each other's like like godparents to each other's kids. Like they're exceptionally close. I love that. Yeah. It's oh great. Oh my gosh. You should follow them all on Instagram because like they'll like post like pictures like out to dinner together. Wow. Yeah. They're very, very good friends. That makes me really happy. Yeah. Oh. Which I thought was interesting on rewatch because they're not really in this movie a lot together. No, and I was gonna say, like, in terms of and we'll get into this, in terms of like the best friends, you don't really see like why they would even be friends because it's they seem to have nothing in common and they seem to have very different interests and they seem to have their lives are pulling them, like you said, in very different directions. Totally. But we'll get into that. They make a comment in the beginning of the movie. So there's like a bit of a voiceover motif applied. It's well done. It's well done. America Ferreira is like, quote unquote, the writer, which comes into play more in the later, in the second movie. And her like writing. Too, right? Yeah. Um, and she says that they're, that like together they formed one complete person. And you do kind of get that, um, it's a very sweet movie, and it builds out stereotypes of women, and it makes them more nuanced, but it still is like, 
oh, I have no emotions and I'm, you know, this like steely cool girl or oh I'm so shy and, you know, mm. and they're it's still playing in in a very 2005 way of oh here are these complex female characters but they're pretty pretty you can describe them with two adjectives yeah they're cookie cutter honestly cookie cutter yeah exactly yeah yeah but um great movie I'll I hope to watch it with daughters someday I was gonna say it's very wholesome and I, it's enjoy, very wholesome. I enjoyed that part mm. of it Especially and compared to our next film, Superbad. Yeah. Which, as we all know, is based on the uh, French teen novel, uh, Le Spire Marouze. Um, She's kidding. Just kidding. It's based on a screenplay <laughs> by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, uh, which apparently is based largely on their lives growing up as Vancouver seniors. They're from Vancouver? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well... Yeah, yeah, that's I believe where, you, but yeah, I thought yeah, that yeah, I didn't yeah. know they were Canadian. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Interesting. You didn't know Seth Rogen was Canadian? No. Oh my god. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that's a big part of his. Anyway, yeah. So Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were best friends in high school. They their goal was to write movies together, and they wrote Superbad when they were in high school. And once Seth Rogen got on the Judd Apatow train, they were able to see those dreams come to fruition. And they got Superman made. It is, like Aaron said, a 2007 film. It stars Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah as Seth and Evan. Mm-hmm. Really creative guys. Yeah. <laughs> really, really uh, aren't trying to hide anything here. So it's obviously based on Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's own lives as high school seniors. Uh, it takes place in America, even though they are Canadian. In LA, presumably. California. California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a nice comparison oh, to... Oh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants takes place, takes place, like, they make a very big deal of the, the fact that it takes place in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah. I've I, never seen Bethesda put on film quite the way that it was. Anyways, it's, it, it's a East, quote-unquote, East Coast movie. Yeah. Sure. Uh, this is very much a California movie, um, and it was directed by Greg Matola, who is also a big Judd Apatow. He did um, some episodes of Undeclared. He's... He did Paul, which is like a Simon Pegg. Yeah. Did you see that? No. It's great. I really like it. Interesting. But also, wait, just to back to Sisterhood, Freaks and Geeks, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is a Judd Apatow show. Yeah. So the director of that raunchy show also did Sisterhood of the Pants. That's but amazing. Not connected that much. They're, they're not spiritual, spiritually related. Oh, uh, I mean, again, they're in the teen universe, so there is some... Connective tissue there. If we do this podcast long enough, everyone will be part of the teen universe. That's what our that's our hope. We'll, we'll just hope. become teens again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why else are we doing this? <laughs> so Superbad is similar to a lot of teen movies in that it takes place over the course of one day, or maybe a couple of days. Um, Seth and Evan are high school seniors. They are best friends. They have been best friends since like fourth grade. They do everything together, and what they do mostly is just hang out and bullshit in each other's basements, and, like, like they don't have a lot of other friends. Disgusting bullshit. Yeah, there's, it's the graphic, They, uh, like, try and chug beers and watch a lot of porn, and, like, yeah. ugh. But I will say, watching this, I, went, I saw this in theaters. I was same, obsessed. Same, same, Obsessed same. with Jet Apatow. I was obsessed with Knocked Up. So, like, this movie was very... And I liked how crass they were because it felt 
very honest and it felt like yes this is like this is how teens talk but in retrospect no one actually ever talked like that i agree with you 1000 percent in my experience and rewatching it i was like oh this is oh my i got like extremely chased all of a sudden watching it but i'm gonna we'll talk about that but i just wanted quickly the plot is very and you've all seen it so i can just go over it quickly basically um Evan is in love with this girl, Becca, and he wants to impress her, and Seth is kind of in love with anything that walks and um, is remotely interested in getting with him. They both have, like, sex on the brain. Seth has an opportunity to work with Jules, the really hot girl played by Emma Stone, played beautifully by Emma Stone. She's wonderful in this. She's so cool. She's so cool. So cool and chill and fun and nice and just, like, really... Like, I know girls like that from high school, and yeah, she, like, nailed it. So, she tells Seth that she's having a party because her parents are out of town, and he's like, great, um, I'm getting a fake ID, so I'll get you booze, and she doesn't know this, but he's not actually getting the fake ID. Their friend, Fogle, a.k.a. McLovin, played amazingly by Christopher Mintz Plass, is the one who has the fake ID. He gets the name McLovin on his fake ID, which is, like, the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. The most quotable, referenceable. Yeah. he's a, He seals the show. He's just the best. So they go on this quest to get alcohol for this party, and obviously, like, it doesn't go according to plan. Uh, Fogle gets hit at the liquor store. He's able to buy the booze with his fake ID, even though it's really unconvincing, but there is a... There's a whole subplot. Yeah. He basically, like, a robber comes to the liquor store, punches him out, takes the cash. Two total hilarious shit-for-brains cops show up, played by Seth Rogen. And Bill Hader. And Bill Hader. And they, like, give McLovin the time of his life. They take him all around, like, take him on bus. And, like, meanwhile, Seth and Evan think that he's gotten arrested, so they try to go find booze another way. They all eventually end up at the party. They all eventually end up with kind like Becca and Evan have a moment, but Becca's way too drunk and Evan is very respectful. Oh, talk about problematic. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, meanwhile, Seth tries to quote unquote get with Jules and she's like, well, actually, I haven't been drinking at all. So, like, I don't know what you're doing right now, but it's like, not, I'm, not really, I'm not really feeling it. Uh, McLovin. Um, is able to hook up with a, a woman he saw earlier in the hallway. Uh, in a G-string, which, like, wow. The early aughts, what a time for G-strings. Oh, the fashion. What a time. is amazing. But at the end of the day, nothing goes according to plan, except that the guys have a really, like, heart-to-heart moment where they realize, and they don't realize, but they, they are willing to confront their emotions about the fact that they're not going to go to the same college, Evan got into Dartmouth. Seth did not. Evan is going to room with Fogel at Dartmouth the next year. And Seth has seen this as a betrayal. And he's finally able to vocalize that. And they have this real heart-to-heart where they're like, you know what? You're my best friend. I support you. I love you. So as much as they, the movie seems to be about them just like chasing girls, it's really about their own friendship and them coming to terms with the fact that they aren't going to be continuing this friendship where they literally saw each other every single day for their entire right like adolescence and they're going to become new people so it it's 
as crass as it is, it ends on a really sweet, very sentimental note. I disagree. I oh. thought it has a sentimental scene, and then the scene at, of course, the mall yes. is weird because they're like, "Bye, see you, maybe." It's like, okay, you're gonna see each other tomorrow, right? Like, but that was their way of sort of like, accepting that they're going. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So the this the movie ends with Becca and Evan meeting each other at the mall, and then Jules and Seth also like parting their ways at the mall, like. You, you assume that based on the transaction that occurs that, like, Seth and Jules might date for the summer, Becca and No Evan, way. Whatever. Like, that's that's what's that, implied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's some sort of pairing off, and that the, that the two men, the boys have become men, and they are going off in their different directions, and that's how the movie ends. Also, the movie has a bitchin' soundtrack. It's so good. Bitchin' soundtrack. I can remember another, like, when I was in high school and the movie came out, you couldn't stream things automatically so I remember being like everyone would download that after they had seen it yeah so people have said that Booksmart is like the super bad for girls that has been a common critique of the movie or just a lazy way of describing it and it's like um yeah sure it it focuses on two teenagers who are at the end of their high school who are best friends best friends um Molly and Amy. Molly is played by Beanie Feldstein, who is Jonah Hill's younger sister. And honestly, that's about. And they're they're they go on an odyssey to get to this party. Yeah, and that is about where the comparisons yeah. should end. One hundred percent. Um, Blythe saw the movie earlier this week. I saw it this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. I loved it too. Um. Full disclaimer, Blythe and I listen to a lot of pop culture podcasts, a lot of movie podcasts. We read a lot about... Yeah, this is like our our greatest interest. Yeah, which is Um, why we're doing a podcast about it. So our opinions going into the movie were not preformed, but pre-informed. We were well informed on... The fact that people liked this movie, the fact that it was well done on on every front, um, and the fact that it had been a, at this point in time, a quote-unquote box office disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of great podcasts out there who, that have covered this in much better detail than we are equipped to. Um, not that they need our shout-out, but um, The Big Picture is a podcast that Sean Fennessy from The Ringer hosts. We are his number one fans. 100%. 100%. Um, if you want to hear about, like, why this movie is, like, being talked about in the film industry and the potential takeaways from its box office performance, like, please go listen to that podcast. But if you just want to hear Talk about the feels. Talk about, like, how much we <laughs> resonated about- with the characters, then, yeah, this is what we're going to do here because I don't really give a shit if it did well at the box office. I was reading that Superbad degraded at the box office, and I was like, yeah, because it's 2007, and people were still going to the movies then. Totally. And also, Superbad was a movie that has an entire running joke about penis drawings. Yes. This movie doesn't have that. No. It has some... It is very sexually explicit. There is porn. It is. There is as much porn in, in Booksmart as there is in Superbad. Which is interesting, considering that there are two female leads as opposed to two male leads. But I think Booksmart is smarter. I do. I think it is. it's more nuanced. I think Sean Fennessy 
not to bring him up again, he was like, said that a lot of people have been put off by the title book smart and he's like what if it was called super good and i I was like oh i i hate that because i don't want these two films to be compared but it is like that is really interesting because it is it does seem to be like the more if you put like a halo on super bad i feel like it would be more like the women in Booksmart are just so much more earnest, and you're so much more. It's so much easier to root for them. It's you easier root to for root Evan. For them. Do not root for Seth. And, and it's super it's bad. very okay. So the premise of Booksmart is Molly and Amy have been best friends forever, presumably. We never really hear when or why. We just know mm-hmm. that they are very best friends. Molly is played by Beanie Feldstein. She's the class president, valedictorian, a, a real Tracy Flick of a modern mm-hmm, day, mm-hmm. but with friends. Yes. With a, a friend. With a friend. <laughs> uh, and then Amy is played by Caitlin Devers, who was on a show Justified, which I never watched. I never watched Justified, but I heard. People loved her people on it. love it, too. I um, Yeah. It's just a show I miss. Her parents are played by Will Arnett and Lisa Kudrow. And they're so great. They're so great, and um, Amy is like, an out teenager. So she talks about, you know, having crushes on girls in a very frank way, and the the film is definitely being heralded for that representation. And also it not being the plot of the movie. The plot no. is her not, like, coming out. The plot is her not being hiding it from her parents. She's very much out. People are aware of her sexuality. It's not a thing. Right. She feels confident. But she's also a teen who hasn't had a lot of experience. So it's the whole, like, I would say that the driver for both of them in the film is they find out that they've partied, they haven't partied at all, they haven't allowed themselves to have any fun that wasn't watching a Ken Burns documentary, which made, this movie was, like, had some real niche jokes for people like me and Blythe, Um, but they find that people who have partied and have been sexually adventurous and like lived up their lives as teens in high school are also going to um Yale and Georgetown and Dartmouth and all of these schools um which I don't really believe that a high school would produce that many Ivy League Ivy Leaguers but perhaps I don't know perhaps that is Los Angeles um and so they have this meltdown which We'll talk about that meltdown because I... Did you have that meltdown? I had so (laughs) many variations on that meltdown. I can't even explain it to you. It's just like an existential crisis where they're like, we didn't party at all and now we have nothing to show for our high school experience. So let's just have one crazy night. Let's go to this big party that we keep hearing about. And of course, because they haven't socialized at all, they don't know the details of the party. So they end up at many, many other parties that are the wrong party and um h- hilarious they they throughout the night see this f- classmate Gigi played by Billy Lord Billy Lord Blythe didn't know this but maybe other people don't Billy Lord is um the late Carrie Fisher's daughter and also then the late Debbie Reynolds's granddaughter and she she is um People know her from Scream Queens and American Horror Story. She's like a big Ryan Murphy. I knew her from that. I didn't realize that she was in Carrie Fisher's daughter. Yeah. I had no idea. What a legacy. So she... Um, she steals the show. She's a character actress in the best way. And, um, yeah, she, she brings a level of... Like, you know, teen movies, 
can be really earnest and then they like Cicero of the Traveling Pants and they can be kind of like cloying in that way mm-hmm. and teen movies can be like super bad and that they there's an earnest heart to it but they're like kind of grotesque and the way that Billy Lord is in scenes is it's like oh this is a farcical movie yeah. like this is funny and being yeah. a teenager is ridiculous and yeah. like the things that happen in high school are ridiculous and yes. there can still be a heart to it yes she plays basically a party girl who <laughs> is somehow at all of these parties that she Amy just and pops and up she just pops up she has she's like on drugs she's she takes her vitamins she's an actress she's a singer she's just larger a classical than life. pianist she's larger than life she knows she's... everybody's inner truth yes and she's dating the like no, they're not dating. Are they not dating? They're, they're just friends. friends. Yeah. I just assumed they were like. No, because he was like, she's my best friend. She's everyone hates thought, her. I know, but I thought that maybe they had like a. No. No, there's no nothing no. romantic. Anyway, she's dating like the class. Try joke. Like he's the super wealthy, and he tries to buy people. He's Kenny from Can't Hardly Wait. Very good. Yes, exactly. But yeah. I loved him, and I love Kenny so too. Great. But I loved him. He was so great. He was my favorite character, honestly. He's, he, he had the most emotional arc. He um, did. And it was just, he was just really well played. I don't know the actor that played him. His name is like Skylar. But he was um, great and he's a star and he's going to be in more stuff. I, Skylar DeSondo. Okay, he's such a Skylar. Sorry. Yeah. You are. Like, you just no, he was Skylar. like born in like 1999 and is like from yeah. Florida. Okay, yeah. right. If, if he wasn't acting, he'd have a YouTube channel with like a million followers. I think he does have a YouTube channel. Okay, fine. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> really showing my age here. He's actually in um that Drew Barrymore Netflix show, Santa Clarita oh, Diet. Yeah. I've never seen that. That's what I when I googled him right afterwards because he has he's he's really like got a lot of embellishment in his wardrobe, but he's really cute and he has like this great smile he's that very I sweet. I said to Blythe he really reminds me of um, Patrick Dempsey. Which I didn't see that, I couldn't make that comparison when I watched it, but when she said it, I was like, oh my god, you're so right. He is Patrick Dempsey and Can't Buy Me Love. He's yeah. this, like, lovable dork. Um, and the movie is very similar to Superbad in that it... Olivia Wilde calls it a hero's journey. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. So... Olivia he, Wilde is the director. Have we said he, that? We haven't, which is important. And yeah. she and she cast her husband, Jason Sudeikis, as, as a, a weirdo! As a principal <laughs> slash Uber driver, which was very 2019. It reminded me of that scene in Mean Girls when Tina Fey is also working part-time at the, the bookstore. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was that was a nice... Like, yeah. Teachers still aren't making very much money. <laughs> so they go from... They go to all these parties. They end up at the party that they've meant to go to at the end of the night. Um, Which is being hosted by Molly's secret crush. Nick. Her vice principal. She's the principal. President. Or sorry, president. He's the vice president of the student council, which is a popularity contest, according to Molly. And she spent the whole year with him, and she's just now admitting to the fact that she is sexually attracted to him and would very much like to be his swept off her feet by him. And yeah. there's an amazing little choreographed dance between the two that exists only in Molly's mind where she's mm-hmm. imagining him like sweeping her off her feet it's very cute it's very like crazy ex-girlfriend if you guys watched that show. I loved that dance it sequence was amazing it was hilarious too Nick is very hot I hope that's okay to say Nick is hot I am upset that frosted tips are back I don't know if they're 
I mean, there were a lot of things like Nick has he has Nick has frosted tips. There's a guy wearing his overalls backwards, which is very crisscross. Well, there was a lot of like Olivia Wilde was on Keep It, the podcast Keep It, another one of my favorite podcasts, and she was saying that in the fitting, the guy just put them on. The guy that they had cast just put them on like that, and she was like. Oh my god, this is perfect. He was like, is this weird? She was like, no, it's mm, perfect. Yeah. So he was accidentally being very 90s. Yeah. Um, I actually know someone who went to high school with Olivia Wilde. Really? Yes. Where did she go to high Oh, she's, she's she, from Virginia? She's from the D.C. area. Right. She went to a very fancy D.C. prep school. Yeah. Her mom's in politics. Her mom's like, yeah. And I all I will say, this guy was like very clear to say he was not friends with her. But he did say, like, she was a beautiful alien, and, like, none of us... Like, I would agree. I still think she's a beautiful alien, and I think... And I... She doesn't try hard, but I think that she is a pretty down-to-earth person. Like, she lives in Fort Greene. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I still think if I saw her, I would, like, need to sit down. 100%. Yeah. And I, the way that this guy talked about her was, like, I can't... He's like, I know that I went to the high school with Olivia Wilde, but it doesn't feel like we existed in the same... <laughs> Spears. Oh like my god. She was, That's amazing. And this, this guy is like very successful in his own right. He's super smart. He's um off amazing. pod, you'll have to tell me who this person is. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's really funny to hear him talk about Olivia Wilde because I think she was just as enchanting then as she is now. It's not she is more enchanting. So. And she's been really doing a lot of press for this movie and to hear her talk about Olivia Wilde occupies a very special place in teen iconography if you will because she was on the OC mm-hmm. and she played a lesbian on the OC who like dated Marissa Cooper mm-hmm. um played by Misha Barton. Misha Barton it's crazy as I'm saying these words I'm like it's also crazy to think that Misha Barton and Olivia Wilde live in the same universe I know but they do yeah okay let's get back to book smart <laughs> <laughs> so uh Amy has her first um sexual experience, experience and yeah. it's really great and I it loved, was great I loved watching it yeah and um my ex told me that he watched this film in theaters with his now wife and her parents and he <gasps> sat between oh no no he sat no, between no. her mom oh, no. and her no. and all I could think of when I was watching this was that that because it honestly is not it's not explicit. No, you don't... It's, it's very... It's, like, it's the appropriate amount of, like, awkward and surprising and, like... Um, it's my, like, most true-to-teen-life moment. Interesting. We'll get into that, but... It was not mine, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's beautiful. And then Molly, who's really into Nick, she doesn't end up hooking up with him, although they have a really nice flirtation. Um, yeah. He's, he nails her... Her uh, Hogwarts house. Yeah, his pickup line is is I think that you are half Ravenclaw, half Slytherin, which is one hundred percent what she is, and that's exactly what I thought. He came up with that. Did you know that he came up with that? The actor came up with that. God, I love that so much. Yeah, I love that. They teens were like, are still into Harry Potter. They were like trying to think of like what. Well, I think Beanie Feldstein is like a little bit older. She or she's like twenty three or twenty four, maybe not older, but like Harry Potter was still very much being published when she was. You know, sure. She's not that much older, younger than me. She's ten years younger than me. Well, so the fact that she's this anyways, um, I they were like workshop. There was like a different pickup line that had been written. Oh, and they were like workshopping stuff, and 
um, Beanie Feldstein was like, I just really think, like, Harry Potter, like, would, would work. Like, to ask her, like, what house do you think she would be in? And then the guy who plays Nick was like, no. The best pickup line would be if he tells her what house she'd be in. I'm literally grinning from ear to ear hearing this. I also recently saw Curse of Child on Broadway, so I'm, like, really, Harry Potter is, like, very much on my brain right now, but... Wow, that makes me so happy. It was, like, my favorite moment in the film. Yeah. I knew it was coming, and I I knew that we would talk about this moment oh, in the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> so, the, the but then movie have a really, big fight. The movie really culminates in them having this really big fight because Amy reveals that she's going, she's taking actual gap year. Originally, it was said that she was just going to go to Africa for the summer for this research project she was doing. But she's actually going to take an entire year. And that freaks Molly out because she has this whole plan where they graduate at the same time. They <laughs> go... They clerk at this the right well, year. Well, she and, clerks. Yeah. Yeah. She has a whole thing. She is like, I'm going to go to Yale. Then I'm going to go to Georgetown Law School. Then I'm going to become a clerk for a federal judge. Then I'm going to become the youngest Supreme Court justice that has ever existed. Very much following in the footsteps of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But she really, really wants her and Amy to have the same trajectory so that they can graduate at the same time. They can go on some post-grad trip together. I'm assuming some sort of European backpacking experience. Yeah. Who knows? And Amy's, like, thrown this off. It's very – I feel bad comparing to Superbad, but it's similar to the Evan-Seth fight in that Seth thought they had a plan, and now Amy's going off plan, and it's really freaking her – freaking Molly out and they have to realize that they do have very different interests they have different futures I do think though that this fight is a deeper fight as most female fights tend to be in which it is all of the hurt that they've caused one another and all the resentment that they have from one another Um, because ultimately and I don't know about you but my best friends in high school were very much like we fought like siblings like we fought really ugly like siblings like if you fought with someone you were so hurt and when you made up with someone it was you know instantaneous kind Mm -hmm. of thing and you know this fight is really like the two of them needing to be heard from the other person and then a very interesting thing happens in the movie that I thought was amazing and cut to the teen like the crux of being a teenager is that they are fighting in the middle of this party all of these smartphones came out which i thought was an amazing choice really really i noticed that as well really good choice and then they never popped up again which was like the best part about it because usually when there's a smartphone it's like a plot device kind Mm -hmm. of a oh this will pop back up right and this was more just like no teens document everything Mm -hmm. now but they're having this fight and the camera's really close on their faces, and you're seeing both of them. Um, and then the sound cuts out, and so you can see that they're screaming at each other, but you can't hear what they're saying. And then the fight, the sound comes back on once you see um, Molly mouth like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when you're fighting as a teen, you're not like, no one's really wrong to you that badly. You know what I mean? Like, you have all of these small annoyances that build up. You're airing all these grievances, right. like I said. But at the end of the day, 
it's the hurt of the fight that's yeah. the hurt. Yeah. And this fact that it's in the middle of this party mm-hmm. and everybody's watching. Um, and I thought that that was just, like, really, really well done. Yeah. I agree. I thought that that was, to me, my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. In terms of, like, what made it a great film. Like, I yeah. had other parts of the movie where I was, like, I laughed harder or, like, was grinning more. But, yeah. like, that was the part I was like, oh, this is a... This is going to be a classic teen movie because of this scene. Yeah. It felt so true to life. Yeah. It was a great movie. And then, you know, they make up and there's a... The nice thing about this is, you know, there's this big... One big night kind of party situation. And then the next morning, because of things that happen at the party, Molly has to bust Amy out of jail, which Mm -hmm. is hilarious. And they end up using... Uh, what's his name now? I already forget. Jared's car, which is this, like, heinous car, yeah. truly, to, like, drive onto campus and, like, you know, so it gets to the graduation. Because Molly has to give her valedictorian speech because right. she's the valedictorian. Which moved me to tears. I, I cried in the movie theater oh, this morning. That's, that's I just thought it was so sweet so and I just, you know, her, I'm going to cry again. Like, the, the sentiment that she gives at her graduation is... I thought I knew everything, and I didn't. Yeah. It um, actually reminded me a lot of Ioni Skye's speech. Yeah. She didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ioni Skye right. was also the Victorian and was also sort of had... It's different from Molly. Molly was, like, a outcast by choice. She was, like... Totally. People I'm, loved her. When she gets to the party, they're like, yeah. I've always wished you'd come to party yeah. with us. Where she was like, no, I'm too serious and focused. Whereas, whereas Diane Court from Say Anything was more of an outcast just by, like... She just sort of had an air of mystery that was not well explained in that I movie. Hate Diane I Ford. know you do. I fucking hate her. <laughs> Aaron hates saying. I hate say anything. But it ends really. It, it ends great with this. It actually ends with them like. Well, and then Molly dropping Amy off at the airport, which reminded me very much of another Beanie Feldstein movie, um, Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. Um, Lady Bird doesn't end that way, but it's still a pretty seminal scene in that movie. Um, yeah, she drops her off at the airport, and, you know, in true teen movie fashion, right when it's, like, a little too sweet, it's very, very funny. Yeah. Um, and it ends with them going to get pancakes, which is something... We ate a lot of pancakes in Me high school. Me, too. Yeah. Shout out to the original House of Pancakes. Oh, wow. It's my one of my favorite places in Madison, Wisconsin. The original House of Pancakes. Yeah. Special. It's really special. Should we take a quick break? Quick break. We're back. Hello. Okay, so we're going to get into our quote unquote analysis. Uh, Blythe, rewatching these movies, how did you feel? So, like I said earlier, rewatching Pants wasn't that much of a like blow my mind moment because I had watched it. In college and, like, didn't... It was kind of a throwaway then. And, honestly, it was a bit of a throwaway now, except that I am going through a lot of the stuff that those teenage girls are going through in the you movie. You kind of are. Oh, shit. There's, like, Bridget... You've got your Greek boyfriend. Oh, yes. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just dealing with being, like, really shy and, like, You're a making a documentary. Model. So, pants. I, <laughs> too, have had a close parental figure remarry recently. I've also lost a close parental figure recently, so I was both feeling Bridget and Carmen's 
plot lines so hard yeah. that I almost was like more emotional than I should have been about it. And but it really helped. It helped me tap into their teen angst because I was like, I'm also oh, angry yeah. about these things right now. Uh, should we talk about this? Should we, we talk about our moms? We can talk about our we moms. We can edit this out yeah. afterwards if we decide well, I mean, to. I, I think there have been other teen movies that we've done where moms being lost has been a it's a big central theme. theme, especially in the eighties. A yes. lot of dead moms in the eighties. Yes, but also to all the boys I loved before. That was a big mm-hmm. yeah. So Aaron and I both lost our mothers within the last two years. Yeah. So we've, we're both in That's a, why we have a podcast. That's why we have a podcast. <laughs> we're trying to cultivate healthy habits to keep our minds uh, yeah. occupied. So I would say that we're, we were both in a bit of a free fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also why we became BFFs. Oh, yeah. No one else gets it. Like, we get it. <laughs> that's right. for sure. Uh, to be going through this in uh, this period of our lives. So... I will say, like, rewatching it, that was a big... That and was she, something that hung over in a way that it didn't when I watched it in college. Like, I I was so focused on Bridget's character and Carmen's character. Because my stepfather recently got remarried and didn't really give me very many details and sort of kept me out of the loop. So, I was felt very strongly about these plot lines. But yeah. that aside, I was just kind of, like... This is a sweet movie. Alexis Bledel is boring. She's playing Rory Gilmore. She's not a great actress. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm not going to jump to her defense. Don't, yeah. Don't worry. Um, Amber Tamblyn was very good. They were all very good. Uh, but in terms of a BFF movie, I just, I didn't super buy their bonds the way that I did with Superbad and um, Booksmart. Which is interesting because... They are all still very good friends. Right. Off screen. So it's weird that they couldn't give me that chemistry on screen. It all felt very forced. It did. I was like, why would Blake Lively not be friends with the girls on her soccer team? Why would that not be her friend group? Why would Carmen not be friends with the people that are on, like, the paper, the school paper or whatever, like... It just felt like they had these really strong extracurricular activities, which is usually how you build your friend group. Like, oh, that's not how I had friends at all. I don't, honestly, I don't really know. I had, there were five of us, so I have four really good, like, best friends from high school. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know how we all were became friends. Were you all friends the way that they were all friends? Like, you were all friends? Because, like, I had a yeah. lot of friends that were indifferent. Like, I had friends that were jocks that had other, like, really strong friends in their jock group. And then I had friends... I was really strong friends with, like, really popular girls that had really strong friendships in their popular clique. And then I had my best friend, Emma, and Leslie and Rachel. And we were, like, not popular, but super smart. And that was the most similar to Booksmart in my recollection. So, my... But none of those people were friends with each other. I mean, nothing really dramatic happened to anybody in... Uh, I take that back entirely. Um, my, I had five, four really close friends, and we all had different friends. And I was friends with... A, I mean, I didn't go to a big high school, so it was very easy for me to be friends with my friends' friends. And I did my own thing and had friends in different groups. Mm-hmm. But the five of us did, like, 
everything together and like we were we were like almost a little notorious for how close we were oh interesting and we're mocked not in a like um not in a like we weren't mocked like we were bullied but we were mocked in like kind of like a eye roll envious way similar to how all of these bffs yeah and all of these movies are mocked yeah and interesting yeah and it was um it was interesting in retrospect, like, I wonder how obnoxious or blatant or unkind, like, we were in flaunting our friendship to other people. Did you tell people they can't sit with you? No, we weren't, because we weren't mean, <laughs> but it was, like, had very, like, designated, like, family time, like, where it was, like, just the five of us. Like, it was, like, oh, sorry, you can't come. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, like, we wouldn't be, like, saying, we wouldn't be, like, making plans with people on, like, you know, we wouldn't be, like, oh, talking about a plan in front of you and then you couldn't come, but it would be okay. more, like, it was people would be, like, are you on, are you free, are you guys free on Friday? And we'd be, like, no. No, right. we're, we're not doing, free. we have, yeah. we're doing our thing. Yeah. Okay. So, we nicknamed ourselves The Fam, which was even worse. Wow. You had a nickname. Yeah. And oh. then people would, yeah. So, it was, like. It was a really big thing. They were, it was like a very strong friendship. So I have a f- one of my close friends from high school was in a fam. Yes, called the Trinity. Oh jeez. That I was not a part of. Oh jeez. <laughs> and I was always very jealous of that because again I had very strong, especially female friendships yeah. in high school, but they were never they never overlapped. Like none of my strong female friendships. There was no group. It wasn't like. The Trinity or the fam. It was like, yeah. I was very close with like five girls and they had, they were not close with each other. So it, it felt. Which, that's what I'm more like as an adult. I think most. Most adults are like yeah. that. Yeah. I think that I was really lucky. A lot of people went through, I know I said, I'll edit that out, I'm sure. Um, like my parents got divorced when I was in high school. I had some other friends go through some shit. And so I had, like, a huge open-door policy. Like, all of our parents had crazy open-door policies where, like, I lived with my friend Emily for, like, a month in the Mm -hmm. summer one year. Um, And that was the most, one of my most true-to-life moments Mm. was the relationship that Amy, no, that Molly has with Amy's parents in Booksmart, Mm -hmm. where she's, like, calling them nicknames and, like, sweet-talking them. And I didn't drink in high school. I would, like, go to some parties, but I didn't drink. Um, and so I would kind of do the sweet talking because, like, I wasn't lying. I see. So okay. I would be like, we're just going out and you know that we'll be fine. Right. And, like, what are what trouble are they going to get into with me? Mm-hmm. But then I found out, like, two or three years ago that, like, I had parents to set some records straight with. Because people would just blame shit on me. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, that happened to my friend Alyssa. She got blamed for stuff unfairly. Yeah. Uh, people, like we after, we had an after prom party that people brought alcohol to, obviously, in like my friend Emily's basement. And the next day, her parents were like, who brought the alcohol? And Emily was like kind of quiet about it. And they were like, we know that Erin's been having a really hard time. Like, if it was her, she won't be in trouble. And Emily was like, yeah, she is having a hard time. What? And she told me this, like, 
Uh, yeah, like three years ago. And I, I was in her parent. I was like at her parents' house in her backyard, and I like stood up and like well, I was like I will be right back. And I like stood up and went inside and was like, "That's so uh, funny." Peter, Marianne, can, can I have a word? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh and God. they were, I mean, like, we were all hysterically laughing, but I was like, no, I did not do that. I'm going to edit this all. See, I had people come to me, like, in high school and be like, oh, I'm not allowed to hang out with you. My parents, like, think you're a bad influence. Oh, my God, play. I know. And I thought that was so funny because I yeah. was like, are they ups- are they worried that I'm going to make you watch Lord of the Rings too many times? Because that's the only influence I have. Oh, it's my like, God. But, like, I... I mean, my house was known to be fairly lawless and the fact that, like, my parents were not around enough Mm -hmm. to, like, give a shit. So, like, but, like, it was so, so innocuous. It was, like, we we would be in my basement, we might smoke some pot, and we would watch movies. It was, like, so... So, there's a scene in Booksmart where, um, Molly and Amy are kind of, like, stranded and they use essentially their like last resort card of calling their teacher who they love played by Jessica Williams it's amazing a great role. cameo great yes. cameo she has like three scenes and they're all they're amazing. so good actually four scenes her last one is the best yeah. so she shows up and she's she's driving them and she's like where am i taking you and they're finally getting to this party so she, they're like, oh, you're actually taking us to Nick's party. And she's like, what? I'm taking you to an unsupervised party? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm so happy that you guys are going to get this out of your system. Like, yeah. you've got a party. Um, and the, that made me laugh to kind of think about how harmless most high school yeah. parties are. And I wanted nothing to really do with them. And... Then Jessica Williams' character, Miss Fine, goes on to explain how she, like, went really nuts in her 20s. And I feel like I went through a brief but mighty phase in my early 20s, like, right out of college. Actually, in college, like, the end of college to, like, my early 20s, where I was, like, nuts. And I was, like, it was when I was living in Palo Alto, and then I was, like, living in New York, and Mm -hmm. I was just kind of, like, I mean, it was the end of college, like... Uh, yeah, if you don't party, in retrospect, I should have partied more in high school. So I partied, quote unquote, in high school. Like, I I had, I feel like I had a reputation that was much larger than myself because I got arrested for underage <gasps> drinking. What? At a house party. Yes. Like Amy? Like Amy. Um, oh all my of my God. friends had peace. They had run oh away God. from the party. I was, I was left there mostly because I was like trying to, like, mac on a boy in a bathroom, of so that's course. why, like, I got left behind. Unlike Amy, who self-sacrifices. Yeah, no, I, mine was not self-sacrifice. Mine was just, like, pure dumbassery, because I, like, wanted to impress a sure. boy. And I was, like, not even drunk. I had, like, barely had any of this, like, bullshit beer Punch. at this party. And I ha- I got arrested, and pe- I know people thought I was such a badass, and I was like, you guys have no idea, I'm such a square. Well, and that's but I couldn't of, shake that reputation. But that's kind of the moral of the story to some of the fe- to Emma Stone's character in Superbad. Yes, 
which we should talk about Superbad on a rewatch. Yeah. And then to all of the girls in Booksmart. Yes. So a lot of the girls who are known for their sexual promiscuity or, you know, their party vibes. Right. Like, get proven to be either just just multi-layered yeah. kind of characters. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, you... I feel like... And I didn't realize this, obviously, in high school, but you could judge so much more harshly as a woman for the choices that you make. Even And if, that character, AAA... Yes. Whose name is, like, actually Annabelle, which, like, w- weird name. Yeah. Um, sorry, any, I don't think we have any Annabelle listeners. Um... <laughs> Anyway, it's like, she's like, yeah, everything that I do, I get a nickname for it, and the boys didn't get any flack at all. Yeah. Or, like, you just are experimenting in high school like any guy is, and you're just trying to make sense of everything, and you're trying things for the first time, and you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and then all of a sudden you get a label, and it's just like, that was so crazy to me, and... Honestly, I did party more in high school than I did in college just because I was really, really, really serious about college. I was working a lot. I was really serious academically. Like, I just, I really liked college for a lot of reasons. Um, and I just, like, wasn't that interested in partying. Yeah. But I do think I part of that is... College. I didn't. I just really just didn't... As, as you can tell from the people that we know who went to my college. <laughs> I just, like, didn't... I honestly had gotten a lot of it out of my system in high school. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is not... But it was just very funny to me to be told that I have this reputation from people that I'm, like, I thought were, like, more... Crazy than Crazy you. than me. <laughs> be like, I'm not allowed to hang out with you. And I was like, really? Um... Because I'm just watching Joseph Campbell on PBS, (laughs) so if you want to come over and watch... Oh my god. The Hero Has a Thousand Faces. We're done talking about Joseph Campbell on this podcast. Um, What did you think about rewatching Superbad? Like, in a concise sentiment, what what did you feel... I I know you had texted me some thoughts about it. Yeah. So, I remember loving this movie in theaters. It's very silly. It's a very silly movie. Which it makes for a lot of in-theaters laughs. That's my yes. thought. But it was so much more disturbing on a rewatch than I realized. Yeah. And I didn't... I'm almost, like, scared about how accepting I was of that language when I watched it. And I would have been 2007, so I was, like, 22. Uh-huh. Um, no, I was 21. Um, and I was like, oh, ha, 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 like high school this is so real like it's so nice to hear candid language and I was like oh they were Seth was like straight up talking about day rape and like a very casual if not yeah the whole premise of the whole like um concept of once they get to the party is that they the girls will be drunk enough to want to sleep with them yeah and honestly the movie is saved by Evan who is the opposite of Seth and is like that seems really immoral and that seems very unethical and I don't want Becca to hook up with me just because she's drunk I want her to like want me and but I was just like the first few scenes of Seth is just such an asshole and I'm just really surprised that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were comfortable with that language being like representative of their high school years and I think the thing that felt most glaring to me in watching Superbad and then watching Booksmart is, like, what a difference 12 years... I mean, it's been 12 yeah. years, which is... It, it actually is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that, you know, the women in Booksmart are to what you've said to me, like almost performatively woke. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of, uh, it's, it's tough at 29 to watch a movie like Booksmart without rose-colored glasses. So yeah. I watch it, and I'm like, oh my god, teens are amazing, like, they must be so woke, and they know about, like, there's this one quick exchange about the difference between, like, gender performance and, like, gender, pre- like, not even, it's a conversation about gender performance. And mm-hmm. it's like, I had zero concept of what yeah. gender performance was. Yeah. Um, and I And so I think, you know, as a millennial a liberal millennial who's like really cute into pop culture this movie like inflates my concept of like where teens are at totally and then to put it in comparison with super bad with any teen movie really it's like oh these it's a teen movie will never really be successful or appeal to an audience if it isn't an exaggeration and played for laughs, mm-hmm. and played for, like, you know, put to pull on the heartstrings. But it does feel that there are certain ground rules that have been established in at least what's being displayed on screen for teens in 2019 mm-hmm. um, versus 2007. <clears throat> yeah, or even, like, there were... I feel like Superbad had more in common with, like, Revenge of the Nerds yeah. than, like, it does have in common with Booksmart. I agree. And, <coughs> excuse me, we're not going to cover Revenge of the Nerds. No, that's a trash movie. But, again, I think Evan's character and Jules's character really save it because they, I mean, Seth is supposed to be, you're supposed to think he's a clown. You're supposed to think that, like, no one agrees with his point of view and he's sort of just you know, takes it to a, a absurd point in terms of his obsession with sex and, like, hooking up with girls and, like, you're not supposed to root for him in terms of, like, but the problem is, is there you are root for him. people that think like that? Well, yeah. Yes. <coughs> and and I think that, um, you know, Booksmart exists in a very idealized world and that's been a lot of the criticism around it, um... But I think I th- it's I think it's been a little unfairly criticized. I do too, and I think that there aren't many teen movies that come out that don't exist in an idealized world. Yeah, and it also mean? it also is unfortunate that Superbad was not at all lampooned or or ridiculed the way that Booksmart is currently being ridiculed. It's weird. It's like we have reached a point where we're now. Like, Superbad is no longer under scrutiny because it's too... It's from too long ago. Right. But we're able to scrutinize things like Booksmart um, with, like, this magnifying glass. And it's, like, every little thing that isn't quite... Like, I, I read articles where it's, like, oh, it's it's only about rich kids. It's, like, well, that's not really true. I mean, they pick up Molly at an Molly apartment Molly in an apartment. Um... There's a con- so the flack that I've heard is like there's no conversation about any scholarships or economic realities of these teens, and what I would like to say to that 
is that there are a lot of teens who do think about that, but I don't think that teens discuss that amongst themselves that much. I don't think adults discuss finances amongst exactly. themselves that like, much. Exactly. Like, I w- was... Uh, and so a, convers- a movie about friendship isn't yeah. going to be about the student loan debt that you're taking on. Right. It's about how much these girls love each other and feel betrayed by their differing you know plans for the future and and I had conversations with my very close friends like oh I'm choosing this school over this school this school gave me money this school didn't like I had those conversations with my very close friends I didn't have that with strangers I wasn't like hey we have one class together I heard you got into Northwestern that's awesome how much scholarship money are you getting like I also think as a teenager when you're talking about the future and this is something that Molly does a lot and this is what I saw in myself what this is what I saw of myself in Molly is that you don't necessarily talk at you don't necessarily talk to your friends about something you talk at your friends about it exactly and so you're like like I went to Fordham and I was like oh I'm gonna go to Fordham and I'm gonna do this 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 Great, this is a great talk. Thank you so much. Like, I, I didn't need anything other than to be fully heard. Exactly. And I, I just, I wish that some of the criticism that we're seeing about Booksmart, which I think is a pretty... A delightful movie. It's a delightful, a delightful movie, movie. And, like, great performances. Um, and, like, greatly written teens i mean it's it's a great teen movie i thought that Booksmart was a phenomenal teen movie i agree i thought that it's played by women that are a little bit out of their teens sisterhood of the traveling pants they are all like 16 to 20 mm-hmm. Booksmart, they're like 18 to 24 um would love to know everyone's skincare regimen in Booksmart you, you were saying they look amazing <laughs> Um, but I think that, yeah, I, I think Booksmart is a great teen movie. I think that Traveling Pants is a good preteen movie. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And I think that Super Bad is a, it was a great movie to watch as a teen. I loved it in theaters. I had never seen it. teens being that silly, but not glamorous. Yeah. And I just remember, like, the, so the scene, there's one scene in Superbad where Michael Sarah, when they're, like, running away from the cops, and he's doing, like, this really weird run, mm-hmm. and it made me laugh on rewatch, and I remember in theaters, like, how funny that movie felt. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it just felt so silly. Yes. And I was obsessed with the Jet Avatar universe. Yeah. I was a Freaks and Geeks person. I was an, I was, I saw Knocked Up and literally was like, I want to make movies like this I like made a short film I like literally sent it to Judd Apatow I like stop yes I mean I'm sure I got thrown into some like trash bin of like whatever oh my god but I was all in on this and so to watch it back and and realize that like I was so drinking the Kool-Aid and I like so wanted to the hype machine around Judd Apatow and still around Jet Apatow is not unfounded. No, I agree. But also, like, watching Superbad and being like, wow, I was so okay with this kind of dialogue that I was willing to just, like... Well, so here's my thought, is that the pendulum 
I think that Superbad swung the teen movie pendulum. Like, yeah, it's a raunchy movie, but it's not raunchy the way that American Pie is raunchy. It's a very different type no, of, like, a self-deprecating, yes, exactly. grounded, and kind of, like, a humility. And honesty. Like, they were so yeah. willing to be like, I'm... Like, I am this obsessed. Right. And I'm okay talking about it and talking about, like, what porn sites I'm going to sign up for at college. And, like... <laughs> That's how the movie opens. Yeah, Talking about porn sites. The yeah. Vagtastic Voyage. It was, like... On a flip phone. Whereas... But I think... When they talk about porn in Booksmart, Amy is, so like... so matter of fact. All of these women are trafficked. This is, like, I know. a super... And so I think the thing is, is, like... There have to be extreme movies... And honestly, I mean, I will say this. I don't know if Booksmart would happen if Superbad hadn't happened. Yeah, I don't think it would. So that is important to me. The fact that Superbad was made, do I wish Superbad had been more female-focused? Of course. But it was written by two two guys, and, like, they didn't, they I were was, really worried about I that. I was truly surprised how little Emma Stone was in the movie when I rewatched it. I know. It. I remember her being more, more of a central figure. Mm-hmm. I agree. However... I appreciate Superbad for what it was, and I also know that those guys, Judd Apatow, Greg Mottola, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, they don't want the takeaway from those films to be like, guys are terrible and women should be objectified, and like, they, they, that is not at all what they were trying to do. They were trying to tell an honest portrayal of a singular teenage experience, and ultimately talk about friendship. That is ultimately yeah. what that movie is There's about. There's been an interview with, I think in Interview Magazine, Seth Rogen and Michael Sarah. it wasn't Interview Magazine, but it was some smaller magazine in which they interviewed one another a few years ago, like for the 10-year reunion. And they kind of talk about how maybe this movie wouldn't be made quite the same if mm-hmm. it was made now. And I think that, I'm not trying to like cut anyone a break, but I think that they made the movie for the era that they released it in. Yes. And I think that they have all kind of continued, Judd Apatow specifically, to release movies with different... They rise to the times. Yes. They're not... Um, and you know what? Ultimately, Olivia Wilde and the people that she hired around her are the ones that are correct correct to tell these like upper middle class white women's stories and that's what they did and and um speaking of olivia wilde the fun fact that i had to share or speaking of uh booksmart the fun fact that i had to share with you is there's four writers there's four screenwriters so susanna fogel emily halpern sarah haskins and katie silberman and katie silberman you are a big fan of, but you don't know it, because she also wrote Set It Up and Isn't It Romantic. Yes, that's right. And now yes, she's, I rem- yes. she's going to write um, The Most Dangerous, or Most Dangerous Game, yes. which will also star Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell. Yes, and I'm obsessed with her. And she was, she came in to be, like, the punch-up person. She was the one who, like, really took the movie into from um, bo- in Booksmart. Yes. yes. Took it to a more comedic direction, I would think. Yeah. That's what I heard that's what I heard about on a podcast. Um yeah, I think also what I've realized since rewatching Superbad and then being able to watch Booksmart is that like I've also 
evolved. <laughs> like you don't say. I went from just being like, yes, finally, honest movies telling honest teen stories, to being like, yes, finally, honest teen movies telling honest female teen stories. Right, right. Like I was just so happy to have two teens friends like talking candidly to each other, and now I'm like. Oh, what! How amazing would that that movie have been if it was about like Becca and Jules? But it wasn't, and that's okay. Like, but now we have Booksmart, and it's like I'm just so ready for the next. I walked through Booksmart, and I just felt like there's a canon being released, kind of right now, mm-hmm. and it includes like Eighth Grade is in it, mm-hmm. um, Booksmart is in it, uh, to all the boys I've loved before isn't really in it because I. Still feel like that's kind of more of a fairy tale than, say, like, um, Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. And I think these are all younger directors. And yeah. a lot of teen movies tend to be younger directors, but mm-hmm. I think that the diff or writer directors. But I think that the difference. Oh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. I never saw that. Very much in that same vein. Um, Where you're getting this female perspective. Interesting. Yeah. I think that the, at the end of the day, I mean, because 8th grade was written and directed by a man, I think that at the end of the day, the difference maybe is that, like, studios are being less prescriptive in what they're requiring to be part of a teen movie, and mm-hmm. I think that maybe, I think the teen movies tend to be the bigger, both critical and commercial successes like people underestimate teen movies at the box office mm-hmm. and people underestimate the the power for teen movies to resonate critically mm-hmm. which is silly because being a teenager is arguably the only thing that every adult has in common mm-hmm. and so I do think that we're getting quieter teen stories now mm-hmm. and more nuanced teen stories yeah. and I think that book smart is um, I don't know if it's leading the charge in that, and I don't know if we'll know that for a few years. Yeah. But I think that it's a great teen movie. I'm really excited to see all the things that all of the actors in it do. Me too. Um, yeah, and I think that what we've learned from, this will be our sixth or seventh episode, what we've learned from doing all this research on, te- on teen movies is that people tend to... St- with their pack from the teen movie universe. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, even in Superbad, there's a, um, there's a Dave Franco cameo yeah, in Superbad. Yeah, and People Dave, don't forget! And Dave Franco <laughs> is, like, a, a huge part of the Judd Apatow universe now, yeah. and James Franco was kind of, kind of is. But, you know, if we can keep seeing movies with, like, Billy Lord and Olivia Wilde, like, that'd be great. You that'd be great. Um, yeah. Should we give out some awards? Yeah, let's get into our categories. What was your most true-to-life teen moment? Okay, so I thought that the fight, fight in Booksmart was great because I fought, I, we talked about this, I think, off the pod, but my friends and I fought very intensely, and it wasn't the things that we said that mattered. It was the fact that we were, like, saying them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and their friendship was, like, a great new one. I mean, the compliment... I wasn't very good at taking compliments as a teenager and I my friend Courtney just showered all of us in compliments and um I loved that part about their friendship yeah I also think that the way that 
the trying there's two there's a trying on jeans sequence in um pants pants and then there's a trying on jeans sequence in super super bad, bad. <laughs> and they both they I mean I wasn't like saying that like I liked the outline of my penis and my pants obviously uh-huh. but the 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 completely unfiltered advice that you ask for from your friends mm-hmm. and then when you get it your resistance to it and the fact that you're trying on clothing like yeah. that was very 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 true and you're like I, I don't think so and they're like no I'm telling you those don't fit you and yeah. you're like I think they fit me yeah I will say that the the friendship between Amy and Molly is that part especially the compliment thing was very true to my teen experience lucky girl my girls were just so extra in terms of like female empowerment. We were just really, Aww. we just like didn't. I really appreciate it looking back, and I was like, we just thought that we were the shit, and like no one could yeah. tell us anything otherwise. I mean, you probably were the shit. So I mean, in in many ways, yes. In other ways, we were just so totally you know like struggling like anyone else but it was very fun to have like a friend like my friend Rachel be like you are a fucking supermodel and then be like thank you thank you I had Ben and Jerry's for lunch yeah (laughs) my other true to life moment was the meltdown that Molly has like oh that's my teen angst oh really okay Tell, tell me it so your moment of teen angst is when they're at their at the top of the kind of hill in the car. Yes. So, like, that to me was the most... When we talk about, like, the get-out-of-my-room speech, mm-hmm. that was the one that felt the most honest because I definitely, like, know... I wasn't one of them, but, like, I know that there was a lot of competition I was in my high school about, like, who got into where. I was sort of, like, not involved in those conversations because, like, college just, like, wasn't on my radar. But I know people were, like... Where did you go? Where did you get in? Like, what was your SAT scores? Like, that was around. That was in my high school. Mm-hmm. That was very much a thing. And so I, that that was very true. Yeah, figuring I, out who got in where was like a really. So when Molly is at the top, when they're like, I mean, Molly is a loquacious individual. Yes, yes. as was I as a teen, and then she gets upset and she just shuts down. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. Like, mm-hmm. I would be very angry, and then that would make my friends yeah. very, very, very scared when I wasn't talking. Oh, my God. And so the way that <laughs> the way that Amy is like, if you don't say something to me in the next ten minutes, I'm yeah. going gonna to take you to the hospital. Yes, yes. That had me laughing yeah. really hard. That was a very true to, yes. And then was... the fact that she throws this, like, small cake, Cute cake. Yeah. on a plate over the thing. Like, yes. That is something that I, I probably wouldn't damage, like, an actual plate. But I had so many small rage outbursts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that scene for me was the most, like, get out. That was the best get out of my room. My most mo- teen angst moment is when Carmen, I mean, Carmen has a lot of meltdowns in mm-hmm. pants. Yeah. But when she's on the phone with her dad and she's just, like, crying and, like, trying to explain herself. I mean, America Fur is a really good actress. Yeah. Like, maybe the best that we're working with across any of these movies. And I just thought that that was so well done. And just, you know, when you're a teenager, and the conversations that led up to it in which 
Tibby is more or less telling her that she hasn't expressed herself and mm-hmm. she's really kind of not doing the best job mate like solving this situation and it's really hard when you're a teenager to understand that like oh people can't read your mind yeah. and you have to tell them how you're feeling and if you don't tell them that you're upset with something like they they won't know like this yeah. they won't know um and so the way that she has this big fight with her dad and she just becomes moved to tears throughout it i mean i had many conversations like that with my father who didn't move a emotional muscle so i understood that deeply what was your least your life team um i thought that the sex lives of the teen girls and super bad were completely unrelatable and i i'm remiss to think that they were relatable when i was a teenager and maybe i thought that that's how sexually active like promiscuous girls were like in high school you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. And that makes me so sad to, like, think that they were just, like, about their G-strings and, like, getting really drunk. Because, obviously, in Booksmart, you see that that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. I hated, I hated, um, Becca's whole yeah. arc. Like, I, yeah. I hated Becca's arc. And I thought that that was, like, really minimizing. Yeah. What about you? Um, my least... Because I thought the hookups, especially in Booksmart, were, like, pretty Amazing. authentic. Yeah. Like, I was Amy in that bathroom. Like, I have been there Damn. before. Like, literally. Was way like, to go, Blythe. No, not way to go. I didn't no, know what the fuck I was doing. But that's the whole point of that movie. I know. But it was, like, it was just very, it hit me very hard. And it was, like, yeah, it was great. Did you and also throw up? No, thank God. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, but I have just I've had I've had that experience of drinking a beer with a cigarette in it but thankfully it was not when I was like trying to hook up with a very hot girl hot girl (laughs) um but my least true to life teen moment honestly and I I feel bad saying this because I know that this is like taking away from the magic they're not all fitting in those pants no, it they're just ain't not, happening. They're not all fitting in those pants. Like Lively does not wear the same pant size as any of those other women. Neither does Lux Fladell. It doesn't like I'm. I don't care how stretchy they are. It ain't happening. Um, sister, having the traveling sweatshirt would have been yes. way more true to life. Or like any, literally any jeans are so hard to fit. I can't find jeans to fit me, let alone three of my friends. Exactly. Also, all of my friends in high school were legitimately, like, 105 pounds and 5'2". Right. Like, well, I went to a school of giants, so all of my friends <laughs> were very tall. All of, like, with with one exception, all of my, like, best friends were, like, taller than me, so... Well, I was the giant in my group. I'm, I'm the runt of my friend group. Oh, my God. I know. They were, like... Just for that reason alone, we should have been friends in high school. Wisconsin, like tall goddesses. Um, so the idea that any of their clothing would fit me is laughable. Yeah. Um, who's your? Do you have any big crushes in this movie? Or uh, because this is a different type of podcast about friendship, like, is there anyone who you wish would have been your best friend in high school? Amy. I had a really big crush on Amy, yeah. and I really want Amy to be my best friend. Amy's a really good friend. Amy's so great. I I would agree. Yeah. I, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Um, superlatives. So we did, we're going to do best style, best car, and best friends. 
Um, there's a lot of, like, style choices in all of these films. Uh, a lot of, like, low-rise jeans, a lot of regrettable They really choices. are all of, of their time. Yes. Um, but I will say, again, I liked Amy's style the most. You would. I know. Uh, she just seemed to be the most comfortable and also the most her own person. And I was just, I'm really into Amy. As character, I love her. I'm Gigi's style all the way. When she's oh, playing Oh, very the good, yes. She's playing the she's piano. She's very Elton and she, John. Yes. Yes. She pulls her sunglasses down by the tassels yes, that are attached. Yes. You are right. You are correct. Uh, yes. Best style. Also, um, the murder mystery party that is in Booksmart. Blythe, you want to do that now. I've done murder mystery parties. I think they're amazing. I think they're really underrated. The fashion there was also amazing. very amazing. I did... That's another cheekier but true to life moment is when they accidentally go into the kitchen where his family is yes. the guy who's hosting the murder mystery and yes. they're like is it over yet and he's he's like, she's like i have the house till 11 p.m it's like the number of times you'd be like mom you just please not come right. down with my friends yes um best car i think you have to give it to jared you can I, you you can give it to jared i give it to jared i'm gonna give it to amy and, oh, and the she reason, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The okay. reason being, um, a Volvo, the Volvo is a big, I mean, maybe it's a big car everywhere for teens. In Situation, Massachusetts, um, one of my best friends had a Volvo. Another one of my best friends drove a sta- a different station wagon. Like, we're talking, like, best car, like, yeah. nostalgia, yeah. friends driving it. My stepsister now drives a Volvo station wagon. Nice. Like, yeah. Volvo cool. station wagon, for sure, best for car. Nice. Okay, and who are your best friends? Like, the best to each other friends? Yeah. I do think are pants. You think it's pants? I do, because they show up, they're not selfish, they're also not particularly evolved and actualized characters, but I think that they are flawlessly there for one another, and Mm -hmm. when they're not, they're very, very sorry. I agree with that. They haven't reached graduation yet, so they have that, that... Um, ability to be there for each other in a way that like Molly and Amy like literally cannot because they they're Amy's ending be in yeah. Africa like yeah but I I think that you're right I think Pants is the best I also think that Jared is there for Gigi mm-hmm. and talks about you right yep and mm-hmm. he's like people think she's nuts yeah people people think I'm nuts yep but she's a she's that's a beautiful yeah. friendship and they just really show up for it's each other so true. I do, but you're right, like, pants. I also think it helps to have four people in a friend group, because if one person kind of drops the ball, you have That's four. why five friends was great, because we, Shout out to the fam. Shout out to the fam. I think, right, so far, oh no, Sarah and Emily listen. Courtney and Anna have not listened. That's all right. We're going to do Prom King and Queen. The rest of our awards aren't really applicable to this pod, because of the movies that we're doing, so we're going to end it with Prom King and Queen. Aaron, Go. Who are your prom king and queen? Okay, so I picked Gigi as my prom queen mm-hmm. because she shows up at every party. Mm-hmm. People think she's nuts, but they love her. Mm-hmm. And then I picked McLovin, but, 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 wow. but, 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 I picked McLovin because he, the character of McLovin at this point in time has had a 13, 12, 13 year long, like, notoriety in pop culture like that is a character up there with a Spicoli a Jeff Spicoli you are so correct and so it's that's kind of rare like if we were to walk 
after we're done recording this, we're probably going to go watch some basketball with our boyfriends who are stones throw from my apartment at a bar. If we were to walk into that bar and ask every person in there under the age of 40 if they knew who McLevin was, I believe they would answer, of course. Of course. Yes. Uh, you're and right. And that's why he's my prom king. A cul- he's a cultural prom king. That's amazing. Deserving? No. <laughs> that's amazing. So for my prom queen, I had a hard time thinking whether it should be Bridget or mm. Jules. I feel like they both would be very popular for and in both their high school. reigning Hollywood yeah. icons at this you could point. Just Emma tell, Stone and Blake Lively. Yeah, you could just tell from the movie that like Jules was well liked and would have been like a, an easy prom queen candidate. Same totally. with Bridget, soccer star, uh, ultra babe, like. No question. Um, and I, I would choose Nick for my prom king, just because. But I'm now, your argument has swayed me, McLovin. Oh, interesting. You are so correct. I did think that Nick was dreamy. I do think that Nick had the, like, Noah Centineo quality on screen. 100%. Um, he's, but also, I, he's also in Hufflepuff, and I'm also in Hufflepuff. Oh, God. I Sorry, just, Aaron doesn't love Harry Potter as much as I do. That's the you do. But I'm in Hufflepuff, and I just think Hufflepuffs are universally well-liked. I'm Thank more you. concerned with if I would be a Aaron's Stark. In, Aaron's in Slytherin. I am absolutely not a Slytherin! <laughs> oh my good god! Aaron, what house do you think you're in? I think I'm probably a Ravenclaw. Aaron's half Ravenclaw, half Slytherin, just like Molly. No, no, I'm probably like half Ravenclaw. I'm probably like three quarters Ravenclaw, a quarter Gryffindor. Matt's like full Gryffindor. No? What's Matt? Slytherin! What? Yes! We would be way richer if we were both Slytherin. <laughs> like, way richer. That's a great way to end this pod. <laughs> Aaron, what's our next pod? What's next? Teen royalty. We're going to be talking about, we'll just give you guys a little teaser. Princess Diaries. Probably all of them. Yeah. Chasing uh, Liberty. Chasing Liberty. Talk about our dear friend Mandy Moore. And uh, Matthew Good is in that. Yes. Which, thanks for spoiling me on Matthew Good's importance in pop culture. Sorry, Aaron just started watching Downton Abbey. That's not my fault. No, but thanks a lot. Um, and What a what Girl, a girl wants. wants. Which I'm more excited to rewatch What a Girl Wants to see Kelly Preston and Colin Firth than Amanda Bynes. But that's how I felt when I was like 20 and it came out anyways. I'm so psyched. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you've seen Booksmart and you have any thoughts on it, tweet us. Yeah. If you are a super bad defender, let us know. And if you hate Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, why? We'd love to know. Bye. Bye.